Today's scripture reading is from Philippians chapter 1, from the second part of 18, verse 18 to 26. Again, Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 to 26. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose. I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in, fa in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Thank you, Jay, for reading scripture. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I really love it when Jay reads scripture. I wish you could come over to my house and read scripture to me at, the, at, at nighttime. Your voice. Thank you, brother. So I see some new faces. My name is Alex. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, we want to welcome everybody to this worship service. So when I was in my 20s and gallivanting around New York City as a young single guy, very far away from the Lord, I had a roommate and close friend. He would often describe a mortal fear of dying, and he would get lightheaded, dizzy, even nauseous, just thinking about it. So when you think of dying, does fear grip you? Do you fear the pain? When you contemplate not knowing what's on the other side when you close your eyes for the last time, do you get a queasy feeling in your gut? Hold that thought, because we're going to come back to that a little bit later. So this afternoon, we're going to focus primarily on just one verse. That's verse 21 of this passage. And that's for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. We'll do a deep dive in this verse and look at it from all different angles and attempt to decipher its true inner meaning and purpose. Um, the physician and influential Welch minister, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, described this verse as one of the greatest statements ever made. And that when we face this verse, we must feel we're treading on holy ground. And it's almost sacrilegious to approach this verse without a lot of reverence. So New Hope, could you uh, join me in prayer as we ask? God, to help us um, handle this text with carefulness and respect, and to teach us today through his word. Let's pray. 
Uh, Father, thank you uh, for this church. We thank you for this book of Philippians. We thank you for these words and the uh, tribulations that uh, Apostle Paul went through and this mantra of his life that he gave uh, that seems uh, to be so simple yet so deep and can help so many people during his time and also 2,000 years later in 2021. We pray that you will speak through your word today and help people understand their life better and understand death better. And most importantly, understand Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us better. We thank you. We praise you. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, so for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yeah, in the original language, there was no verb is. So it literally just reads to live Christ, to die, gain. So if you're a note taker or youth group, this is a great time to just put down in a note in two headings, to live Christ and then to, to die, gain. To live means Christ. To live depends on Christ. To live honors Christ. To live is Christ. The foundation, center, purpose, direction, power, meaning of Paul's life is Christ. Life and Christ are one and the same thing. They are not two separate entities. For the Apostle Paul, the purpose of living is pressing forward to know and serve Christ each day. Christ means everything to Paul. While alive on earth, Paul saw life as inextricably bound up in Christ. So what does that really mean? So let's go to scripture. So if we can go to the first verse. So sorry, there's a lot of verses here. Um, but first, Christ is the giver of life. John 10.10, 10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Galatians 2.20, Christ is life itself. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ is the model of my life. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11.1 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Christ is the aim of my life. Philippians 3.10 That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Christ is the reward of my life. Philippians 3.14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Carolyn, if you could keep that slide up there for a moment. Um, so New Hope, take a moment to, to soak in these verses, just like how you would when you go to the museum and you look at a uh, work of art and you just kind of take it in. Uh, if you could kind of look through these words and see how this paints a picture of how Christ equals life. Just take a moment and look through God's word. <clears throat> 
So Christ is the giver of life. He is life itself. He is the model, aim, and reward of our life. Okay, you can take the slide down now. For Paul, uh, Paul has no conception of life apart from Christ. But what does this look like in a person today? That's 2,000 years ago. How does that apply to now? Um, have you ever spent time with an old grandma or grandpa who has walked intimately with the Lord for many years? They will speak of not being able to imagine even a single day without intimate conversation with the Lord in prayer and in reading his word. They could not imagine their life without Jesus. Do you know anyone like this? I have several of these people as patients in New York City, and I love sitting with them and talking with them. You know, when they undergo spinal injections for arthritis, sometimes they hum worship songs to calm themselves. They have no conception of life apart from Christ. Their comfort, peace, meaning, joy, purpose is Jesus Christ. In other words, their life is Christ. Without him, their life seems inconceivable. Their life matches up with their belief. Their countenance, their facial expression, their words all reflect that they love and submit to the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. What about the flip side of this? In the New York Times bestselling book, The Coddling of the American Mind by atheist NYU psychologist Jonathan Haidt at NYU, he shows two graphs, and they're kind of mirror images of each other. There's one graph that depicts when the iPhone was introduced and then as sales started ramping up, the other line depicts teenage suicide rates and then major depressive episodes. And they are mirror images of one another. And then when apps were introduced like Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, TikTok, and I don't know, I lost track of all of them. So when they were introduced, there's a commensurate bump in the suicide and major depressive episodes. So Jonathan Haidt argues that the iPhone and these apps introduced unlimited addictive access to friends, and then eventually the whole world to see, and then unlimited comments and likes and dislikes. Your life, your looks, your achievements, your vacations are all open for the world to see and comment on. And when young adults who are in their most sensitive time of figuring out who they are, are then overloaded with unlimited ways to think about themselves and their lives, and then hear what other people think, it seems to have resulted in despair and even death. Have you met anyone that is overly self-absorbed, self-promoting, self-centered? Were you able to speak to them in private? Did they seem happy to you? Again, let's turn to Scripture to think 
a little bit more deeply about this. So Romans 8, chapter 5. Next slide. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So here in the book of Romans, uh, Paul seems to be saying that if you focus on earthly things, physical pleasures, fleshly desires, sex, your looks, your body, your intellect, your possessions, your reputation, your sexual orientation, your gender identity, and you have that be your identity, that be your everything, your idol, your God, and if you jettison the will of the one true God, Yahweh, in your life, that it leads to death. It leads to depression, loneliness, anxiety. But if you focus on the things of the Spirit, if your life is Christ, if you abide in Christ, there is life and peace. Recently, I was uh, just speaking to a young adult, and they shared how their faith has been challenged and under attack by what most of their age are heavenly influenced to think through social media, the news, their peers, their teachers, how they've been struggling with their faith and struggling with sin and not doing well spiritually. But then they remembered the time when they were serving on a missions trip in Africa. And from the moment they woke up to the moment that they closed their eyes to sleep, they were praying in God's word and serving and thinking about somebody else. They didn't even have a moment because they were so tired and they were so wrapped up in what they were doing and serving. They didn't even have a moment to think about themselves even for a minute. And when they remembered this, a huge smile came on their face. They recalled the joy, the life, the peace that they had on the missions trip. They really understood God's word when it says, to set the mind on the spirit is life, is life and peace. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. New Hope, do you, th do you think, about, think about those words? Do, do these words ring true in your life? What about the others around you? Do you see these words being true in their lives as well? Is God's word true and relevant in June 2021? So let's get back to verse 21. Paul says, for to me. And in many places where this verse is displayed, they will often leave out for to me and just display the truncated version to live as Christ. See my t-shirt? So this is uh, one of the team t-shirts for a mission trip to Africa. And this was our logo to live as Christ. 
But when Paul says to me, it's important because it reveals that this is very personal to him. He could have left that out and just started by just saying to live as Christ to die is gain. But he adds that part. It seems that when Paul includes for to me, Paul is saying, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. Paul's being very personal at this point. Paul's statement is similar to our common phrase, as far as I'm concerned. So New Hope, as the Apostle Paul did, let's also make it personal and not brush this aside off, brush this off aside too easily. This should have meaning and application for all of us today. So in the context of this passage, when uh, Paul says to live is Christ, he is referring to earthly ministry, Christ-centered ministry, Christ-empowered ministry. Altogether, this meant that Christ was at the conscious center of everything. His life's highest good, greatest satisfaction, most complete fulfillment is in Christ, and in his life lived out through Jesus Christ. Here's a paradoxical truth. I will never be happy if I am concerned primarily with becoming happy. That sounds like something the Jedi Master Yoda would say, right? Well, this famous verse by, uh, by, by Jesus actually speaks directly to this. Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So if you totally remove God and then you go on a journey apart from him and then you try to figure out who you are, Christ says here that you will actually lose yourself. Okay, you can take the slide down now. So there was this uh, successful author who went on this uh, year-long journey of self-discovery. So after leaving her husband, she traveled to Italy, India, Indonesia, exploring different religions and different forms of meditation. And after 30 years and several divorces, she seemed to settle into a life of singleness and had some measure of calm and peace, at least on the surface. And recently, in a long-format interview, she described a desire to rid her vocabulary of the words passion and purpose, and the phrase, find your passion or find your purpose, because she said that she found that just saying those words now caused her tremendous anxiety. So it seems that her journey is still ongoing and that her original goal of finding her passion and purpose in life, in her life, is still in process. And it actually seemed that she may be further away than when she started. So in this verse, Christ seems to imply here that if you look inward for your identity, you will never find it. But if you look outside of yourself, you look outwards, 
and upwards with Christ as your guide, undergirded by his grace, that you will be able to find your identity and purpose. With Christ, you will be able to find your life. Your life and Christ must be interwoven and connected. In Paul's case, Christ was his life. Christ excited him and made his life and defined his life. To Paul, life means Christ. Life is Christ. And as he fully knows and loves and serves him day by day, life is Christ. To live is Christ. But what about death? So in the second part of this verse, Paul says to die is gain. So what is Paul saying here? So apart from Christ, there's, there's just two main ways to look at death. As a negative or a positive? As a negative because you're going to miss out on all the pleasures on earth. You know, there's this funny story uh, of a Sunday school class where the Sunday school teacher just asked all the kids, Hey kids, raise your hand if you can't wait to go to heaven. And they all raised their hand. But there was one boy that didn't raise their hand. And she said, Little Billy, why don't you want to go to heaven? And little Billy said, Mommy just baked a delicious homemade apple pie for dinner. Can you relate to little Billy? I know I can. What is your apple pie? And is that, ev- is that everything to you? So in this case, dying is a loss because of all the things that you're going to lose. All the things that you work so hard for, your hobbies, being popular and well-liked by that group of friends at school, or that super cute, funny boy or girl that recently said that they like you back, and all the exciting experiences that you enjoy in this world. The second way to view death is a positive That can be a positive because you can finally be rid of this messed up world, your messed up life, your physical or your mental ailments, and be in paradise, in that castle, like a prince or a princess in that Disney movie, with sunshine and rainbows in the background and Kelly Clarkson singing in the background. Is this Disney portrayal of paradise what the Apostle Paul is speaking about here in Philippians? Kind of, but not really. So the original Greek word for gain here uh, is kerdos, which can also be described as earned, advantage, or profit. Death in and of itself would not be a gain to Paul, but to be in the presence of the Lord in glory, that would be gain. The world sees death as the end, to lose everything. All the things that you work so hard for, to obtain, to buy, to achieve, to lose all those things is indeed a huge loss. Paul says not so for a believer. This seems nonsensical 
to the world. To die for an unbeliever is to give up all your possessions. But to die for a believer is to gain your greatest possession. Death is the entrance to gain, not the exit from living. If Christ is your everything, to be with him will be your greatest end goal, right? And leaving this life, although it's filled with a lot of very good things, it pales in comparison to the perfect life with the perfect one. Paul knew that death is not a defeat for Christians. It was just merely a graduation to glory. When a Christ follower dies, he or she fully begins to live, or they pass into a perfect, eternal, glorious union with Christ, unhindered by the world, the flesh, or the devil. Death is the vehicle that takes us home to God. So let's dig a little bit deeper and see how this applies to our lives. If you fully trust and accept the truth of God's word, there are three more categories that you can look at to help further understand death. Those three categories are lose, keep, gain. What do we lose? What do we keep? What do we gain? What do we lose? We lose everything we don't need. We lose the world, the flesh, the devil. We lose our trials, our fears, our physical and mental illnesses. What do we keep? We keep everything that matters, our identity, our personality, our knowledge of all that is good. What do we gain? We gain something we never had before. We gain heaven, the saints, the angels, the presence of God and Jesus Christ himself. So let's think about this from even another angle. So the famous preacher George Whitfield once said, a Christian is immortal until his work on earth is done. So you think about that for a moment. Death cannot touch you until God is through with you. You cannot die, you cannot die and you will not die until the exact moment that God has ordained. If God is good, you will live as long as the Lord intends, and then you will go home to heaven to be with him. In that sense, every Christian life is complete. But some of you will say, hold on. But what about that young person that dies at a young age? Yes, the death of a child brings many questions that only God can satisfactorily answer. But this much is true. That young person has completed the life that God intended for him or her. What seems to be a mistake to us is no mistake for God in his divine plan for all of humanity. There's no such thing as an untimely death. It may seem sometimes that way, especially in the death of a young person, but that is only because we cannot see things from God's point of view. Just because we cannot see any good reason for the death of a child 
It does not logically follow that the creator of all things, God, could not possibly have any good reason. It may be that we just simply are not able to comprehend it with our small human brains or by the time limitations of our narrow view of just our life. It's like trying to explain the ant to the, to the, uh, to an internet, uh, the, the internet to an ant. <laughs> the brain of an ant is just on a different level of understanding than ours. They can't comprehend the, the world like, like we can. Think about how much more true that is in regards to God and us. God is outside of space and time, and he sees every little nuanced effect of that one life and also to the many generations of many lives after that. Our only task is to do God's will in our life. Don't worry about other people's lives. Worry about our, your life until the moment he calls you home. Since we can't know the future, it's useless to waste our days worrying about when and how or where or when you will die. It's best to leave that in God's hand and spend our energy honoring and serving Christ and doing his will every day. You know, heavenly-minded people like Paul are often the people that also do a ton of earthly good. That seems counterintuitive, but it has been my anecdotal experience that this is indeed true. If to live is to, to live is Christ, if that is lived out in your life, you will automatically be filled with doing a lot of good in your life. You won't be able to help yourself. You can't, you can't stop. And it will not be fake or for selfish motives. Now, you cannot really say to die is gain unless you fully accept or to me to live as Christ. If you cannot say to live as Christ, how can you be sure that to die is gain? It all comes back to Jesus. Uh, Apostle Paul uh, gives us a powerful example of one who did not fear death. He saw it merely as a door to eternal life, and this uh, freed him to live with purpose, meaning, commitment to the cause of Christ. Because Paul was ready to die, he was able to really live. He belonged to Christ and was confident of his eternal destination. Subsequently, he could dedicate his life on earth to living for Christ without fear. So how did this one sentence, to live is Christ, to die is gain, how did that one sentence from Paul describing his life circumstance of being persecuted in jail, possibly facing death, suddenly become the mantra of his life and then go on to help and teach and encourage so many people over so many years. It is because of the gospel, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the primary truth that the whole gospel points to, uh, that the whole Bible points to, and that the, the whole, all of our scriptures revolves around, centers around. So these two short verses in Romans simply describe the gospel. Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, you can take the uh, slide down now. Uh, so the most significant event in human history is the death of Jesus. No other event is more talked about or written about. The death of God incarnate accomplished the ultimate gain. When you fully understand and remember Christ on the cross, what he did, how he was completely innocent, how he was supremely powerful, but he emptied himself and suffered and was tortured and died to divert the punishment that was meant for us, taking that punishment onto himself. And if we believe in Christ, that his perfectness would be placed onto us. This is what Jesus promised to us. But why should we trust him? Why should we believe anything that he said? It all comes down to his resurrection, his resurrection from the dead. Um, you know, if you have any doubts about Christianity, and in a group like this, this large, there probably are some, the best starting point is to study, 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 and then study some more, everything you can about the resurrection. Both Christian, non-Christian, atheistic sources. Don't be afraid to do this. This is the one thing that is of utmost importance for you to investigate and to study. If you were to investigate only one truth in your life and come to a clear conclusion, I believe it is this, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Challenge what you have been taught here at New Hope. Just don't accept it on face value. Ask questions of family members, youth group leaders, elders, deacons. I pray and believe that the Holy Spirit will show you what the truth is regarding Christ and his resurrection. And if you become rock solid on the historical truth of the resurrection, then you can trust what Jesus said and his promises. Then you can make sense of the rest of the Bible. And I would argue all of reality in your life. It all starts with Jesus and his resurrection. You know, I heard a uh, well-known pastor once say that the more he studied the resurrection, the historical evidence, the logic, the beauty, the uniqueness, the less he became fearful of death. Remember the story of my roommate I, I mentioned at, way at the beginning who had this mortal fear of dying? Well, God saved him, and he became a Christian. His father, who was a, a militant atheist who would mock Christians, his father became ill of terminal cancer, and through a miraculous series of events, and I would love to tell you guys about this in, in more detail uh, later if you ask, through these series of events, in the last week of his life, he professed saving faith in, in Christ. My friend saw his father 
go from an angry, profanity-yelling man to a man who passed away with serenity and peace. This really shook up my friend. And he started a journey investigating God, which eventually led him to Christ as well. Uh, several months ago, um, he underwent life-saving major quadruple bypass surgery for his heart. Days before that surgery, I prayed with him. I, I didn't hear any fear in his voice. It was markedly different from what I remembered when we were in our 20s. As we prayed, I could hear him quietly crying but I did not sense a mortal fear in him anymore, but rather a peace and a thankfulness is how I would describe it. As his knowledge and trust in Christ grew, his fear of death changed dramatically. So friends and family of New Hope Fellowship, uh, I'd like to leave you with a challenge and an exercise. Uh, as the Apostle Paul did, let's take this verse personally and apply it to our individual lives. Ask yourself, ask your significant other, your, your family members, your kids, for you, and then put your name there, to live is blank, and then fill in the blank. What is it that you would put there? Why is it that? Reflect on this in light of all that you heard today from the Word of God. I hope that this will lead to some healthy life reflection and also some profitable family discussion. A New Hope... Um, I hope that this verse from God's Word helps you to do what God gives you to do today and trust God with tomorrow. Uh, if you have completely trusted in the Lord, when death comes, it will be a great gain. This is what he promises. If you live this way, then you'll be able to experience life to the fullest and find who you are and will really be able to live. To live is Christ. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you uh, for teaching us uh, through um, your word today. Uh, we pray that uh, uh, the truth that is here will uh, uh, do what it's intended to do. And uh, we pray that, uh, that people uh, go uh, today and they leave uh, today from uh, Ammerman Hall or they get up from their sofa um, and, and they uh, think about this verse, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And what does that mean for them and how does it apply in their lives? Uh, would you challenge us with this word and continue to challenge this church body 
uh, to delve into your word, to apply it and see that it has relevance right now in June of 2021. It is not primitive. This is not out of date. It is up to date with all of what we go through, even now. To live is Christ. I thank you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name.